We have all heard the story of the miraculous birth and of the man that the child would eventually become. Much of it seems hard to believe, too fantastic. To be sure, most of the tales were written by hands that had, that had been nowhere near the stable that night. Whether or not they are true is unimportant to this tale. All we need to know is that long before there were shepherds or angels, long before there were mysterious men with luxurious gifts, there was a baby, and before that, a weary couple, a mother in labor, looking for a place to rest. That place was not easily found. The innkeepers of Bethlehem were a miserable lot. Sour, sad, and miserable. Odd, then, that they were in the business of hospitality, but these were the days when one's career was chosen for them, when one would be apprenticed to a trade at the age of 12 or even younger. And most of these tradespeople, if you could ask them, would have preferred a more glamorous lifestyle. Who wouldn't? But no, it was innkeeping or perhaps begging. There wasn't much choice in the matter. If your free will had been so abridged, you'd probably be sour and sad as well. And so they were, the innkeepers of Bethlehem, sour and sad, miserable to a man, and the sourest and saddest of them all was Samuel. It hadn't always been so for Samuel. As a young man, he'd quite taken happily and naturally to the work of innkeeping. He had loved the little inn that would one day be his. He loved meeting new and exotic travelers and listening to their tall tales from the road. He had loved the smells that blew in from the kitchen and even the smell of the stable as he helped his tutor clean it. Samuel had loved the inn just the same when it passed into his hands had watched with pride his own growing young family take to the work of innkeeping alongside him, just as he had. There were his children cleaning and fetching, learning their way. There was Miriam, pretty clever Miriam, performing daily miracles in the cramped kitchen, finding ways to make the little money that rolled in last. Miriam, the wife he still did not believe he'd ever deserve. When Miriam died, that's when everything began to change. Samuel had knelt by her side as her heart beat its last. In that moment, he felt a piece of his own heart close off to the rest of the world. His business partner, his soulmate, gone. The work would be harder without her. His life, too, would have less joy. At least, he thought, I still have the children to count on. But children being children, they grew into adulthood, started families of their own, moved away to find work. One by one, Samuel watched his children married and wandered away, starting lives of their own. And with each receding footstep, he felt more and more of his heart close off to the rest of the world. With each day that passed, the work gave him less and less joy. 
sour and sad now, he took in what guests he needed to scrape by and retreated from the world as much as he could. There were only two things that made Samuel approach anything that might possibly resemble happiness. The first was when the inn was full and he could watch the disappointment on the faces of tired travelers as he gleefully turned them away from his door. We're full, he would cackle. No vacancies, buzz off. And then he would giggle, a sound full of perverted mirth, as he watched the weary gather their belongings to look for another place to rest. This little bit of mock happiness is what he was well known for. His second bit of happiness was much more private, and no one who knew him would believe it if they saw it. But Samuel was a stargazer. Each night would find him standing quietly on the roof of his inn, looking skyward expectantly. His eyes were fixed on the stars with an unshakable focus. Now, no one had ever saw him do this. And if they had seen, they might not ask why. And even if you were to work up the courage to inquire why he stared up at the night sky so, you would be hard-pressed to believe the answer. So out of character it was for the hard-hearted man who spoke the words. And whether you believed him or not, the answer would still be the same. I'm looking for Miriam, he would say. Thus went Samuel's life, day in and day out, disappointing customers and staring wistfully into the night sky. Each day progressed just like the last, up until that fateful month when the emperor made his decree. That month, it was decreed that everyone must return to the place of their birth. The coffers of the empire were running low and the money counters needed to devise new sources of revenue. If it made life inconvenient, too bad. And so it was that every inn in Bethlehem was full to the brim for a month. And everyone in Bethlehem was especially sour and sad. The guests were miserable because they'd had to pull up stakes and travel, leaving their own businesses behind. The innkeepers were miserable because they had to take the abuse of their miserable guests and because they were already by their very nature sour and sad. All the while, money changed hands at a furious pace. Every innkeeper in Bethlehem grew more and more miserable and more and more wealthy. Everyone, that is, except for Samuel. Oh, he was miserable, to be sure. There was never any danger of his misery subsiding. However, it was not the satisfying sourness that came from swearing at a paying customer and spitting in his stew. No, Samuel's inn was full of his children and their families. Those thankless children who had left him to wallow in his own sorrow. There was no profit to be had in this sort of misery. Instead, Samuel searched for those moments of ersatz happiness that he needed to break his miserable monotony. The opportunity was certainly ample. Each day as the month progressed, more and more weary visitors arrived at the door of his inn, and each day Samuel took wicked glee in turning them away. No room at the inn, he'd crow. Move along. Good luck. 
and then he'd flash a wicked, sharp-toothed grin as the tourists shuffled off down the street. By the end of each day, he would dole out just enough rejection to warm ever so slightly the closed-up lump that passed for his heart. And each night, he'd stand on the roof, looking up at the stars and basking in the glow of a bad job well done. The day in question, the day when all the myths began, he had been, had been a particularly good one for Samuel. He had managed to tell 25 people to get lost in a few short hours and was enjoying the onset of a particularly satisfying wave of schadenfreude. It was a personal record for him. His free-floating family had managed to squabble amongst themselves all day while leaving him well out of the skirmishing. And to top it all off, it had turned out to be a spectacularly dark night, perfect for stargazing. Samuel stood on the roof of his inn, staring up at a nearly pitch-black sky, the only light to be seen coming from a small sliver of moon and the stars. An hour passed, and maybe more, before his attention was drawn away from the firmament and down towards the street below. The quiet shuffle of a closing door called his eyes toward the end of the avenue. There was the silhouette of a couple, packed for a long journey. A man, slightly stooped with fatigue or perhaps age, a donkey barely getting by on its four legs. A woman sitting on the poor beast's back. Odd to see any travelers out so late, he thought. The roads were dangerous at night. The risks were many. What fools. Samuel watched their heads bow, tired, as the party moved down the street. He watched with some small delight as he recognized the game that was being played. Every inn had been full up for a week now. This pair were going to meet with disappointment no matter where they went. Samuel rubbed his hands together, delighted, and leaned over to watch the couple's progress. At the next inn, the previous drama repeated closer now so that Samuel could hear. Please, sir, the man pleaded. My wife and I have come so far. We need some place to rest. And you have money, inquired the innkeeper. Samuel heard the man mumble something and saw him shake his head. No money, no room. The door slammed shut. A satisfying sound to Samuel's ears. Again, the bedraggled parade shuffled down the street. Samuel craned his neck to try to get a better look at the pair, and what passed for his heart stopped for just a moment. Maybe it was the low light. Maybe it was his own buried longing playing with his eyes. For a moment, though, he thought he recognized in the face of this stranger the eyes of his long-dead Miriam. And in that moment, he felt the long-dead piece of his heart begin to open again. He watched the pair and their pack beast move on to the next inn. 
the exchange between the two and this sad and sour man played out much as the last one did. Somehow the sound of the slamming door was far less satisfying this time to Samuel's ears. He watched them intently as they proceeded down the lane. Now, in the pale light, Samuel thought he could make out a telltale roundness in the woman's belly. His memory called up images of Miriam, again pregnant with their first son. How proud he'd been, how moved to tears. And now here was this couple, lost on the streets of a city, with nowhere safe and warm. Samuel's heart opened just a little more. Again, the man knocked on the door of another inn. The sour man inside took his time answering the door. Please, sir, said the traveler. My wife is with child and about to give birth. We need some place where she can rest. Do we look like a hospital, the innkeeper replied. Away from my door. I'm too busy and too full to see to your needs. The sound of the slamming door was a punch to Samuel's guts. Pregnant, imminent, still Samuel's heart opened wider. Something must be done. The travelers had arrived at the inn next door, and again the ritual played itself out. Pity, sir, said the man. My wife, Miriam, is about to give birth to our child. You've traveled too far. Some help, please. The door slammed in their faces without even the pretense of conversation. Miriam. With that, Samuel's heart, closed for so long, flew wide open, so wide indeed that it had room for far more than one in it. He leapt from the perch on his roof, eager to meet his new guest, but stopped at the door to the stairway. It's too dark, he thought. We're too small. They might not see me. They, they might give up. Quickly, he ran down to the public room and gathered a lantern from the common table, fumbling with embers from the cooking fire. He lit the wick and ran to the door. Samuel threw open the portal and waved his lantern wildly. Come in, he cried. Come in. Here's a place to rest. Here's a place to bring your child into the world. They couldn't miss him now. The couple turned to the source of the commotion, and the man led the donkey with his wife towards his door. And in the midst of his excitement, Samuel had an awful sinking feeling in the pit of his stomach. There's no room, he wailed inside his head. How could he have been so foolish? Now they'll think he's only playing with them. Samuel, the sourest, meanest of them all. What to do? Then... Samuel did something he hadn't done in many years. He swallowed his pride. My apologies, he said to the couple. My rooms are full, but I can see how desperate you are. He paused for a moment, unable to look them in the eye. There's a, there's a stable in back, he continued, somewhat shamed. Not much for amenities, but it's out of the elements. Some hay is fresh and soft. The man looked at Samuel sideways. How much? Samuel still could not look in their eyes, but he raised his hand and waved off the question. Nothing tonight, he replied. Take care of your wife. 
there will be time for haggling later. And with that, Samuel led them around to the back. He piled hay for the woman Miriam to lay on and set more in the horse trough. You can let the baby rest here, he said. I'll find something more suitable in the morning. Let me wake my daughter and I'll send her down to help. And so it was that the miracle child came to be born in the stable. Later, there would be talk of angels and kings. Later, there would be all manner of questionable tales told about that night. But that was later. For now, there was just this new family and the man who opened his heart enough to give them a place to begin. Some say Christmas begins when the tree comes into the house or when the first batch of cookies comes out of the oven. Some say it doesn't begin until the vigil candles are lit and we've all sung about silent nights. These are special moments to be sure, but they all miss the mark just a bit. These are not the true start of the season. Learn then. From the lesson of Samuel, no longer the sourest man in Bethlehem. When your heart has grown around its hurt, when it has opened wide enough to let the stranger in, it is then that Christmas begins.